It's Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Eric Malpas. Well, a very good day, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. It is the 7th of September. The year is flying by. It's been absolutely roasting hot, um, but I've got to say today is a little cooler, and um, it's it's very manageable. It's still probably about 28 or something like that, but it's very manageable. We've got no wind. That always comes later in the day. Once the uh, the heat comes, then the wind builds up, and then we get it round about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Let's go across to Albia and find out how Eric is and uh, what's the weather like there. So, good morning, Eric. How are you? Uh, good morning, Vince. Uh, very well. Uh, weather here is similar to what you just described. Uh, it's a bit cloudy, but a lot cooler. So, uh, I think we can all do a little bit of coolness, couldn't we? Yeah. I, I'm not complaining. Good. Okay, well look, uh, I think what we'll do this morning to start off with, we'll wish Pele well. Uh, the reason why I say yeah. that, you might have read he's had a tumour removed from his colon apparently, so um, obviously we wish him well. Great um, great player from the, uh, um, the Brazilian team and of course a great ambassador for football. Um, what sort of... Uh, I, th- I think I've got one memory of Pele which... Um, always will be in my mind is the one where he he shot at uh, at Banks and Banks made that fantastic save put it over the bar uh, do, does that sort of resonate with you as well? Well that is probably one of the uh, iconic you know one of the best things that's happened in his in his career where it was a great save by Gordon Banks and a great effort by him it was a header actually all come across and he headed it down into the bottom corner somehow Banks dived to his right and flicked the ball up from almost at the, on the goal line over the bar. I still don't know how he did it, but that was a, a brilliant moment for uh, Pelé. I also remember, in the, I think it was in the final that year, 1970, when that ball went through the middle and he, him and the goalkeeper were going for it, and he left the ball, completely complete, completely confused the keeper, and he ran down the keeper and pulled the ball back and he just went wider the other goal. It was a fantastic bit of football but that Brazilian team at the time was uh, something special to oh. you know and they were fantastic you know I loved it but that, the first time I saw Pelly was in 1954 oh, I think it be not mistaken uh, when they played in Sweden and he, he got two goals in the cup final he beat Sweden in the cup final 5-2 he got two goals and a chap called Vava got two goals I'm not sure he got the fifth one, but uh, that was an early, that was the first World Cup he ever played. I think he was 17 then, if I'm not wow. mistaken, but uh, Pelly has probably, along with one or two other players, uh, are probably in the top, certainly top three in the world, you know, I mean, yeah. maybe you might put Messi and uh, Ronaldo and Eusebio and Stefano, there's so many players over the years who have been fantastic, Puskis another one, but Pelly one of the most outstanding players because of the fact that he was such a gentleman yes he were never doing dirty tricks and things like that mm. you know like you get one or two today diving on things everything but to me Pelly was a super gentleman but the only thing is he, he really stayed in, in America where I think we all agree 
he was an ambassador for the game of football to get it going more than anything where there's a, a lot of players now from uh, South America come to England to play football in the best league in the world you know yeah. whereas Pelly never did that but it's not his fault you know it's just one of them things it's funny how um, your perspectives can come as you're talking uh, because I saw the Sweden Brazil Cup final and I, I, we, we didn't have a TV at our house so uh, my dad and myself went round to see my uncle Les and um, we watched the get game at his house um, in fact, they, I think actually it was probably my Uncle Sylvester. And um, I remember they gave me a cup of tea, and I'd only be about 10, I think, something like that. Um, and I spilt the tea on my trousers, you know. So it's ridiculous what you remember, but I do remember that. Talking about the, um, the Gordon Banks save, uh, later on I was very lucky to play football against Gordon Banks uh, because... Um, Basically, um, when he came back and he had the car crash and then he lost his eye, didn't he? Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, he played in the Jimmy Hill Gold Diggers match that I played in and um, against the Radio Merseyside and uh, Showbiz 11. And it was um, just an honour to be able to say that you've actually been and played with these guys. You know, it's really, really nice when you can actually look back and think yeah i i did actually meet that particular guy you know okay well look um, we'll start off by looking at the uh, the hungry game and uh england of course went on to win the game four nil but the game was overshadowed by the racism and you might like to comment on the way uh you saw that game and also the way you thought um england handled that um I mean, really, it was ridiculous racism. I mean, totally and utterly unnecessary in today's environment when everybody knows how sensitive it is. You, you do wonder why, um, you know, some people just don't get it. Well, you get the people in, in Hungary, I can't understand it because it must be the way they brought up. You know, you can't. I know this, it's only a minority when you think about it. There were 60,000 people there and I have to agree what the uh, manager said of England when he said that you've got to remember there's a lot of good people here it was just the bad ones who got the place a bad name you know a smaller minority which is quite right but uh, the overall performance by England I thought was fantastic I've, I've not seen England play like that for a very long time a bit dodgy in the first half I agree but once he uh, adjusted it in the second half England they played really well I was very disappointed in Hungary because they didn't show the fire in the belly that they shown early on in the Euros. You know, when you were playing against Italy and playing against yeah. uh, Portugal and against Germany, you played three tough games there. And they, they put every effort into all them games. But I thought against England, they seemed to be a bit frank of us and played defensively, which is, I've said so many times on here, that, you know, if you're only going to play defensively, it's kind of a waste of time because then you get one on down and you start pushing forward and then the other team opens up and, and scores more goals you're better off giving it a goal from the beginning as yeah. I've said often uh, as I say the people who were racism obviously certainly seems to be one of the main protagonists for these people isn't it you know he, he kind of he, he upsets people I think and with him scoring a goal as well <laughs> it didn't help and it, it just got showed me like well I think there were paper cups weren't there you yeah he, get some tea out of them whatever else if they were I don't know but uh, 
And the other lad who was really abused was running up and down the line at Bellingham, you know. Uh, yeah. So it was just a bad day all around, and he took the gloss off England's performance, I thought. You know, I thought that it was a good performance, and I was impressed. I thought about this, um, you know, I was thinking about this reason for the racism, and I mean, the only possible explanation I can get anywhere near is that um, obviously when you've got a country that uh, was invaded by Russia and maybe it's the antagonism towards taking the knee that really is the uh, you know the thing that people are objecting to because I do think that that still now is a little bit overplayed I think um, you know once people had established that there was a link towards this um, uh, pretty gruesome group of people that are in charge of that particular organisation. I think it would have done uh, the English team probably better uh, if they'd have stood back from it and made a statement saying, well, we, we decided to take the knee as a, as a gesture, but we feel that, you know, maybe the politics has come and started messing about with what we're trying to do so we are now not going to do that you know and maybe at the start of the game instead of taking the knee they just link arms and um, sing the anthem and everybody gets on with the match and that's the only thing I can think of because really uh, I think it's gone on too long and I think that it's not something that you want anybody to react to let me go to the Andorra game um, I was really not very impressed with the Andorra game. I thought that seriously technical passing was good, but to play a team from Andorra with a population of 77,000 people, of which obviously only a certain percentage of that number play football, and not come away with a really whacking great thumping 8-0 or something, um, doesn't really... I, it doesn't show the best side of the money that these people get paid uh, for playing their trade. I mean, they even left the, the the second half was the only time that we looked as if we were any good, really. Am, am I asking too much of them? Do you think that really these minnows, because they are minnows, shouldn't they be the teams that we should be beating 6, 7 and 8 nil? Well, it goes back to what we've said many times before. First of all, England made 11 changes, so it was a completely different England team with a different setup and everything, and we're experimenting with a few things, i.e. all had Arnold in midfield. Obviously, it didn't really come off, because he, he, he couldn't find the space that he tried when he was on the, on the flank and in full-back positions, and therefore he wasn't as effective as he normally would have expected him to be. Uh, on the, on the other side, in England were very poor in the first half. And it was only when he brought Grealish on and uh, a couple of others to make it a bit more of an effort in England. And he just opened it up and got the goals. Uh, and or, uh, I mean, don't forget we've got San Marino to play yet as well. Yeah. And uh, they are minnows, there's no doubt about that. But somehow, the reason we do have to play these teams, and they are involved in the World Cup qualifiers, is to get some money into their kitty, you know, from their uh, FAs themselves, like, you know, uh, their systems, and that is why they do get these games. And obviously they're hiding for nothing whoever's playing against them. And uh, from that point of view, it was a poor performance all around by England, but you'll see a different one tomorrow night when they play Poland. 
it'll be back to the team which played against Hungary, in my opinion. I might be wrong unless somebody else picks up COVID in the meantime. You never know these days. Yeah. We'll be there. players there the next, next minute. He's always, always isolated. He's got COVID, you know. And it's just one of them things. That I appreciate the fact that I don't like watching them type of games, England and Andorra, when we play San Marino, because there's nothing to gain out of it. But when you look at it from the other side, there's money involved and it, it helps keep their their clubs going, you know, in their own little leagues, whatever they have, you know, through their FA situation. So for that reason, I've got to put up with it. OK, well, look, uh, I'll go along with your exp explanation there. Um, uh, I don't really accept any uh, excuse that you know that they they only put out the second team if you like because when you're playing uh, at the money level that they're playing at in their clubs um, that should be reflected in any eleven players coming together. They've had a few days for training. You know what it's like, Eric. Um, you and I have both been in teams, and if if you go to the park. You, you, you make a team up and uh, uh, choose two teams and you play football and very often you get a, a lot of good players playing well together um, you would expect really professional footballers to be able to get in and, and knit together fairly quickly but um, you know and maybe I expect too much let me go to Sweden versus Spain now I don't know if you saw this game um, but I did actually see it though Okay, well, well, before the match, I did think that Sweden would provide Spain with a very, very tough match. Um, Sweden are one of these nations that really do surprise people, or certainly surprise me. Um, you know, that they've been to a World Cup final for a start. Um, they've they've done pretty well in most of the finals that they've um, uh, they've turned out in. They've never sort of been humiliated as such I don't think they seem to always provide good opposition what do you think might be the secret of the way Sweden play because they always come up with a reasonably good team don't they I think with Sweden they, they, you know, if you notice uh, like around the world the way they, I mean, obviously not a lot of them play in Sweden they all play in different countries Italy, England you know, we've got, we've got quite a few good players all dotted around the world and uh, for that reason I've always found if you see a Swedish player, they're usually pretty tough. Blonde hair, and tough, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. and, and normally very fit, and uh, maybe it's a lifestyle they have in Sweden, I don't know. But uh, it's a perfect example of the fact that the, the country itself produces very strong mentally, mental people, you know, in that country. And uh, whenever I see them play, you can always guarantee they're tough enough to attract Swedish players. And uh, I, I think they. They are a team where you, I don't think they'll ever win the World Cup or anything like that. But they'll always be rare about on their semi-final mark or part. Yeah. And that's how I find them. And I think the score was, I, I don't, didn't watch it, but I think it was 3-2 for Sweden, wasn't it? 2-1. Uh, 2-1 for, uh, oh, for Sweden. Two, I knew it was only... Yeah. I thought it was only a goal, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, as I say, they're always going to be around there, Sweden. I don't care what anybody says. They, 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 they're all... If I had to give a mark out of ten, I'd give them an eight. Okay, uh, right. Well, look, I, I think they uh, they always come up with the good. So yeah, I'm going along with you as well. Definitely an eight. Um, or should we make it seven? <laughs> okay. Uh, Gareth Bales uh, came good in the Wales team and um, long overdue. Scored three goals. Saw his team get through three two. Uh, looked like he wanted to play. 
and I mean for the sort of money these guys are on they've got to they've got to play an occasional good good game haven't they really well they've got to play he's a, a good player we can't argue too much about his ability it's just that occasionally he doesn't seem to show up in the in the world lineup. but uh, recently he's had a lot of trouble hasn't he, with Real Madrid and what happened at Tottenham last year I think he's been in a situation whereby he looks as all he ever wants to do was play golf so uh, I think that's one of the problems with, well, don't forget he got actually two of them were penalties as well and one of them was in about the 97th minute, you know, so it, he, he couldn't say it was that brilliant performance, <laughs> well I suppose if, I, if the, our old friend Peter Williams was about, he'd have a go at us about that one, <laughs> have it Welsh hand, you know, yeah. so uh, we've got to give him credit there, it was a win, a win is a win and it was away from home, so yeah. Um, uh, speaking of we, uh, Peter Williams, uh, let me just tell our listeners that uh, when we did our radio show in Spain in Ondertero International for many years, um, one of our uh, colleagues was called Peter Williams and he was from the Liverpool Echo. I think he was the sports editor actually on the Liverpool Echo. Uh, man of great quality and uh, loved his rugby and. Um, I think his his expertise was more in rugby than football, wasn't it, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, but he was a good friend of John Charles, you know, if you remember. Oh, wow. He used to play for Wales, and he used to hear a few good stories about John Charles, and uh, he was just one of them chaps. We got on well with, didn't we, Peter? Yeah. Very serious chap. <laughs> very serious. I didn't realise that he was a friend of John Charles, or, or, or if oh, I had yeah, known, yeah, I'd forgotten. Yeah. Wow, that's a name yeah, from John the past. Um, yeah, I saw him play for Leeds actually once. It's said to be one one run that night, Wednesday night game. He, he played centre forward, could be the centre forward or centre half, John Charles, you know, when he was at Leeds. And, uh, well, he was an exceptional player. He's probably the first ever player to go switzerland and make a name for himself you know yeah from an english well what's been quite a deal, you know going abroad in the early, early days that's in the 50s that yeah it's interesting what you just said then because um with john charles playing center forward or center half uh, i i've often wondered why um jürgen klopp for example at liverpool hasn't taken somebody like nat phillips now with the back four becoming more settled uh, it's an ideal opportunity to just throw him on now and again as an alternative to the way that they play uh, because he's great with his head and if he could really you know be coached into a, an attacking role as well um, that's the way that I would want to see a player like Nat Phillips who uh, did so well when um, uh, Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez have both been out you know so that uh, that's an interesting concept that I think somebody needs to revisit uh, would you agree with that? Well, well, teams used to do that anyway, regularly. You know, if you're losing with about 10 minutes to go, you used to push the centre forward, centre half up to centre forward. And I even remember one time at Manchester City, when Stuart Pearson's manager, he put Blake Keane, our goalkeeper, at centre forward, which at the time was the lad who used to play for Liverpool. I can't remember his name, just a fan now. The goalkeeper, he pushed him up front, put a reserve keeper in, and put him up front, took a, a forward off, a player off, I should say. <laughs> it, it nearly paid off, but we got beat in the end 1 0. Yeah, it's but I mean, uh, with seeing that fa fantastic goal that was scored by Allison, the Liverpool goalkeeper, uh, yeah. ag against West Brom, I yeah. think it was, um, I mean, y you know, obviously it's a tactic that 
it, it is there doesn't seem to be anything that you could say that's innovative you know and it would be something that in this day uh, and modern day football it would be quite innovative that because the, the, there must be uh, alternatives to playing the tiki tacky uh, Pep Guardiola type football because you know there are times when the, the, the team doesn't um, win so that's my thoughts on that one I don't know if you saw this by the way Eric but um, the FIFA are proposing to play the female version and the male version of the World Cup every two years. Now, what do you make of that? Nah, I, I, I'm happy with the way it is at the moment. Every four years, we, don't forget every t- no, four years, and then we have four years between the, the Euro nations and all that stuff. So, you know, we've got enough problems as it is with fixtures without making it ten times worse by adding another one. And I mean. Ne- Next year's going to be a, a right shambles because you realise the World Cup next year is being played in Qatar and it's being played in, uh, I think it's, is it December, January? Or certainly in the middle of our season, which is going to stop everything going. And then it's going to go to the World Cup and it's going to be a shambles. And now, I, mean, I tell you what, he's coming up with this idea, bloody Arsenal vendor. He's coming up with oh. it, saying he should play it every two years. The only reason he want to play it every two years that's what they want making more money as if they don't have enough as it is well the, the, one of the Spanish players Busquets uh, said that you know there's too much football as it is and uh, people are going to explode he actually used the word explode apparently um, and I'm totally with him um, ok uh, quick word on the ladies soccer because uh, that kicked off at the weekend and um, uh, Arsenal beat Chelsea 3-2 in the Women's Super League and I also noticed that the Irish FA have decided to pay the lady international players the same money that they uh, pay for the male players Uh, which really, I'm thinking to myself well really, is there any reason why they shouldn't pay them the same money? Maybe you can offer an, an, an idea for me yeah, no, the reason you shouldn't get the same money as the footballers is because of the fact they don't attract the crowds that footballers do. I mean, at Arsenal, I mean, I watched that game, and fully enough, I said to my friends afterwards, I'd rather watch the Arsenal game against Chelsea uh, rather than England against Andorra. It was a far better game, and it was really entertaining and excellent. But the crowd, it was played at Ivory, by the way, and the crowd was 8,000. So you can't compare that to 60,000 people watching football, you know, when the men play. So there's no, no argument there with that one as far as I'm concerned. In fact, it's in America where all these problems have been arising because the women want the same money as the men in, in America. And that's been a bit of a bone of contention over there. I'm not quite sure how it's finished up. Well, I can see that coming on over here, but as far as I'm concerned, there's not enough people go watching the women play to 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 compliment them the fact that they should get more money or equal money to men because they, they're not in the same class in my opinion although I do enjoy watching them play I think what they're doing this year in particular because Sky are involved in it and, and the BBC they bought the rights to show the games last year it was mainly BT and I think uh, BBC who had it but Mel Sky have put a lot of money into it and they're giving it a, a big push with regards to and analysing the game afterwards and before the game whereas in the past it's just been the game on and then it's off 
few comments afterwards and then you come up. Now they're going into depth over the tactics and everything. But overall, on the financial side, there's no way women could even contemplate having the same money as men. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm not talking about two people in an office who are doing the same job. And you could say a woman's doing the same job as a, a footballer, man, but they're not in the same environment. There's 60,000 people watching them. Okay, so what that's a, why I don't think that would be on. What about um, this idea, though, of uh, the international players? Because really the internationals are shrouded in mystery as to what whatever money is is uh, made you know nobody really knows where that money goes it's uh, i suppose there might be official documents but we never speak about it so um i mean just for the internationals alone is there any decent explanation as to why they should not get the um the same as the men well, first of all, the men do donate their wages for the international games to a charity. So it, they don't even get any money for playing for England. They do, but they don't, if you understand what I mean. Whatever they get, they donate to a charity of their cause. So that's a, that's one out of the window right away. Because the women won't do that because they're not really... I don't think they're that well known anyway. Not like footballers around the world. So, you know, I just got the feeling that it's it's a no-go, you know, I mean, I can't see how the women playing football can get the same amount of money as the men playing football. Okay. Anything you get is on, on the sideline, you know, maybe in a bit, they'll be selling boots with their name on and stuff like that. You, you, wouldn't, moment, you, no. you wouldn't accept that maybe no. some of them are, are far more attractive? Oh, hang on, I can't say that, that's I sexist. Agree. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. I've got to... But we were talking about it once on OCI, and uh, somebody said something on OCI, and we said, I'm glad we waiting for one of them to take the shit off. But anyway, so at the time it was a bit of fun because football, we were back a few years there, when they were just beginning to play women, you know. Yeah. Well, I must admit, you see, I don't, I, I don't mind watching the ladies' game. I think they, they do play some lovely football. Um, and anyway, look, the argument's going to go on for many what, years. What, what, sorry, while we're on this subject, I must mention, what's happening now as well in the women's game, I noticed the weekend, because I watched quite a bit of women's football, uh, a lot of Australians are coming into it. You know, we're talking about how these certain countries who have this mentality of strength and powerful powerful paid people yeah. and I've noticed now there's about at least six Australians have come over and are playing in our English league you know with women that I'm talking about and also they're coming from all over the world City signed one of the top Spanish players at the moment this girl who plays centre forward I think she scored what third one at weekend I watched Mad City play Evan and they won 4-0 and she played but you know a bit like the Premier League they're coming from all over the world to play because there is more money in it for them. Don't get me compared with Premier League, but that's one of the reasons now. We're now beginning to attract people from abroad, different countries, whereby we get more, more money by coming and playing in our league. And that's exactly how the Premier League got started. You know, we were getting people coming from other countries because we were getting better wages and I'm going to come back to the Premiership in, in, in the Premier League in a few minutes because I've got something that I want to discuss with you about that. Um, I wanted to highlight uh, a French player, Jean-Pierre Evans, and uh, he was 39 years in a coma 
and has just died at the age of 73 um, which is really really very very sad because he went into hospital and he was going to have a routine knee operation um, obviously things have gone really badly and can you imagine 39 years in a coma um, so oh you know our commiserations go to both him obviously and his family and friends uh, what well, that must have been an absolutely awful event mustn't it yeah it is uh, I mean, no disrespect but I don't know when you do go in hospital and I've had operations in hospital they come round and you have to sign a form that if anything goes wrong it's not their fault type thing you have to do that before they even do the operation and I presume that's what happened with this lad and they, it's just that some things occasionally can go wrong yeah. hopefully nine times out of ten it doesn't but obviously there's always a tenth time and this is a case just a sickening all the way around for yeah. the family I mean it's bad enough you have somebody in hospital for two weeks and you have to go visit them you know your spouse you know they're every night with you making sure you've got what you want and that's hard work so I can imagine that as long as that boat went oh can't even imagine it's terrible absolutely dreadful for him um, now we had this rather strange event in Brazil uh, where Brazil were playing Argentina and they had the officials had gone and um, stopped the game virtually uh, I think that was the intention um, but this was now the fallout Tottenham are set to find Giovanni Lo Celso and Christian Romero after defying club orders um, both took part in Argentina's controversial clash with Brazil I'm reading this that was suspended on Sunday the pair defied club's orders to join up with their national team and will be fined both along with Emiliano Martinez and Emiliano Buendia who will train in Croatia um, I mean th th the whole thing was rather bizarre and it seemed to be that um, the the officials, um, you know, they, they must have known a lot more about what was happening and could have stopped the game even started, I would have thought. Yeah, well, this is a, a case uh, which I'm sure you'll go along with where footballers think they're bigger than everybody else, and they're not. So I'm glad that the authorities did stop the game and, it, and hopefully they should be in trouble doing what they did because if you did it or you or I did it we'd be in trouble I tell you so it, it's just footballers you can get away with anything you know uh, and I felt that's what happened the only thing was the people who, who did stop the game I think they made the maximum they could of it by going on the pitch after the game had started as you said that should have been stopped beforehand because an hour before the kickoff all teams have to present a team so all it needed was a Brazilian manager to say, hang on a minute, they can't play, they've just come in the country, they're not quarantined or anything. So it could have been stopped there and then, when each team is given the, the line-up of the other team, you know, before a kick-off. And for that, for a, I think he made the maximum of it by getting the most publicity behind, letting the game start and then stopping it. Well, I mean? I, I've got um, a, uh, I've got a, an article in front of you which says at six o'clock, Brazil's health regulator and visa uh, was seeking at that time six o'clock immediate isolation of four Argentina players just hours before they were due to face Brazil in a World Cup qualifier. 
in Sao Paulo. At uh, 8 o'clock, the, the game kicked off, and 8.06, uh, play is halted as health officials walked onto the pitch to seemingly try and remove Emiliano Martinez of Aston Villa and Giovanni Lo Celso and Cristiano Romero of Tottenham. 8.11, the game was suspended as the Argentina players headed back to the dressing room. 8.18, Lionel Messi appeared to try and negotiate with the authorities but his teammates remained in the dressing room 8.40 reports suggested a bus uh, was en route to escort the Argentina team away from the stadium and then the game was abandoned now surely if at 6 o'clock they were trying to uh, sort of make sure those four players didn't play that's when the game should have been abandoned I mean it's it's okay it's one thing wanting to win the game but it's another thing totally inconveniencing all the people that went there and paid good money to get into the stadium <laughs> as I've said before it, it should never have happened but I think they use it to get the maximum amount of publicity by allowing it to go on and then stopping the game but you've got to remember Brazil and Argentina it's like England and Scotland it, you know it's a really highly emotive game you know and particularly in South America, we know what it's like over there. You could be shot over there, you never know what they're going to do in, in those <laughs> yeah, countries. Exactly. But, uh, you know, but it is such an important game, and, and they got the maximum amount of publicity by doing what they did. What will happen now with these players? I don't know, because really, they, they've been in a red country. And that, now, like you say, I think they've got the Croatia now uh, from there. And then you can use that as a way to get back into England without having to isolate. Well, there. Well, their, um COVID protocols um, and Visa was the organisation considers that the situation is serious health risk, and so has asked local health authorities to determine the immediate quarantine of the players who are stopped from participating in any activity and should be prevented from remaining on Brazilian soil. Now, if these guys are all supposed to be living and working in bubbles, etc. Um, if they're on the pitch, why would that really be a problem for the crowd? I don't really understand that one. Well, it's, it's the reason it is, it's just, as I said, it's just that they didn't isolate, which they should have done. And, uh, they just wanted to bit highlight it in a big big way, which is what they did. And uh, Well, everybody was around, all, around the world, wasn't it, this incident? And... Uh, they've got maximum out publicity out there. Uh, okay, but look, that's uh, what the plan was. I, I, you know as well as I do that there's more to this than meets the eye. So who is really flexing uh, the muscle? Is it the health authority? Is it uh, the country making sure that, you know, people know whoever comes to Brazil, we're not um, just going to allow anybody in? Uh, I mean, th there's got to be a bit more to this, really, Eric. I, I feel that... Um, you know, to actually suspend the, the game and cause all that sort of loss of money and, and travel and everything. I mean, I think it was a bit unfair to the to, to the fans, really. Oh yeah, well we know that. We let's face it. How many times have we said they don't give two monkeys about the supporters? That's for sure. Nobody has ever had to give a, a monkeys about the supporters because you've seen games whereby sometimes a lot of players don't even try. And, you know, it, it really annoys me. Uh, luckily enough, we don't get a lot of that over in England, but I'd, I'd imagine in South America there's a, a lot of devious things going on, but I could be wrong there. I might be wrong. 
But going back to uh, Brazil, what happened was England put Brazil on a red list, right? So Brazil put England on a red list. That was how it came about originally. So it was tit for tat. And this is just another way, as you just said, that deflected the muscles of Brazilians. Or is it somebody behind them? We don't know. Okay. Right, uh, so Cristiano Ronaldo might have to wait now until next Tuesday for his second full Manchester United debut due to quarantine requirements and a lack of training. Um, I am surprised the lack of training there. You'd have thought that no matter what's happening, he'd still be training, wouldn't you? Well, a lot of them have, even when they've been isolated, you know, wherever they've been in a hotel or whatever it is, they've had uh, stuff sent to them from the keep fit people at the clubs, whereby they have to do so much a day, you know, to keep themselves in trim. Uh, that's what's happened in certain cases where people have been there, uh, you know, given COVID and they've had to isolate. I think we've just got a goalkeeper now, actually, the American goalkeeper, Stefan. He's over there playing for America, and he just caught COVID over there, and he can't play any more football. He just stayed into isolation. What well, it means he won't be able to play for well. He's not. He's a reserve keeper actually, and he, you know, he won't be able to play anyway at weekend. But this is what can just go on. You know, all of a sudden you snuck down, and you'd expect him to be fit. I mean, in Ronaldo's case, I mean, you can't get a fit specimen in the room on football, can you? Yeah. I'm not a Ronaldo fan, by the way, but. I've got to give him 10 out of 10 for uh, his fitness and his, his physique and his football ability. It doesn't matter his age, like you say. If he's 36, he looks like a 28 year old. So he does. You fair play to him. You've got to give him 10 out of 10. Brilliant week. And he also strict on diets and everything he has to eat. And he's getting a reward for everything he's done in the past. Yeah. Okay, now last night uh, they had the first part of something which I think has been on before, well it will have been on before, um, but it was on BBC Two and I was looking forward to seeing it. It's called Pitch Fever, the rise of the Premier League. Um, did you see it and if you didn't, um, did you know about it? I knew about it, but you know I forgot all about it Vince. I was out early on last night, I got home and... Uh, I'm trying to think, well, I'll watch, I'll watch something, well, I'll just I'll watch this guy and you see what's happening in football. And I forgot completely about it, because I'd seen it advertised and it was, uh, it's something I was going to look forward to watching. I've got the brains of the rocking horse, mate, at the moment, you know, how I forgot it was on. <laughs> Must be the age. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I've got to say it was really good. I did enjoy watching it. Um, and let me see what I picked out from it. So uh, it was basically from the they seem to start round about the time that um we had the semi-finals of the world cup and the italian um situation was around that time uh, when we got to the semi-final and germany put us out on the penalties um if i've got that right by the way hopefully um it was about that time that the sky um was thinking about you know things that they had to do um, to try and improve their viewing figures. Uh, football had gone from about uh, 30 million down to about, uh, what figure did I write in there, uh, to 17 million. And so um, uh, with the Sky Television and Rupert Murdoch looking to try and gain more viewing and obviously revenue, 
Um, they were looking at um, things like um, obviously the arts and the entertainment industry and then uh, they had the bright idea of um, putting the satellite up and making sure that we could see the football games so um, what did you make of Rupert Murdoch and uh, the way the the thing changed around that sort of era well for a start it was so tricky that Rupert Murdoch uh, as I said when I had my own bar in Alfaz I was the first one to put satellite TV in and everybody used to come in to watch the football it was only a little bar there anyway but everybody came in to watch the football on a Monday night and uh, it was a they give it you for free at the beginning you know you didn't have to pay for it and that way the trick come in then everybody got hooked on it then you started to have to pay for it and uh, that's how they tricked everybody so say now when you did the cricket you know from australia these guys are multi-millionaires and and i think alan sugar was one of the people who benefited from it because he started doing the dishes for uh, murdoch and that's how they became good friends and how he became a multi-millionaire because of the fact that he, he was doing all the dishes which are going out all around the world and all, well certainly in England anyway yeah. and uh, it was just a in my opinion I, I was so happy because I, I love my football and we're not being living in England there's two things I miss about England apart from the weather which we were all happy about is the fact that I can't watch Manchester City every week and I can't go and watch Manchester play cricket when they're playing. So they're the two big things, not counting family by the way, just in case you're listening. <laughs> but you know what I mean, the is what you miss. And uh, it kind of, you know, it brought, brought it over here to me because when I first came to Spain, the only football we got live was on a Saturday afternoon through some channel, I don't know what, what channel it was. But I used to watch it in the Cumbrian bar down in Benidorm and that was the only place we could get it and it was a three o'clock kickoff. We never knew what team it was going to be playing really. It was just hit and miss sometimes it might be Man City or okay. But it'd be all the game on. And it was like that's just how it was in them days. But Sky opened everything up. Don't forget BBC it was so tight BBC. They used to give us twenty minutes and three matches on a Saturday night. Match of the day, which we all used to watch I think in the old days. And that was our hockey part, like that was the best we could do, get out of it. You know, no live football other than the cup final. So that's the that's way that he looked at it in them days. And when you went to a football match, if I'd gone to Main Road and I saw the cameras outside, oh, we're on match of the day today, you know, everybody would know you was on match of the day. And you'd get 20 minutes, that'd be your highlights of the week for you, your team. Not just Man City, whichever team you support. If you went to Leeds and you saw the cameras outside there. You know, these like these big bands, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, where they where they moved everything about, and the bloke sits in there, or the cameras, and they pick the producer picks the pictures. What you say? But anyway, I thought it was a good move for Sky to come in, and what they've done for football, and they've made a lot of money, and what the players have got the biggest benefit out of it, even more than the, the clubs in the long term. If we look at it now. Very interesting. Um, there was a question that one of the journalists put to Rupert Murdoch uh, at the the time of the launch, and uh, the question was along the lines. It, I didn't write the question down because it sort of came out of the blue, um, but basically it was along the lines of, 
when you look in terms of the sort of newspapers that you've produced, and he was referring to the Sun and the News of the World, um, when you look at that sort of tacky journalism, are we likely to get the same sort of tacky stuff coming over the TV with the football? Now, when you actually look at what we seem to be reading a lot about, which is bad behaviour, um, footballers' haircuts, hairstyles, you know, and the trivia and trite stuff that really don't totally relate to the football, it does make you wonder whether or not it was all about sort of um, just an extension of the news of the world, which was uh, eventually closed, um, finding a new a new place to base itself, you know. Well, don't forget, it's all linked together. You know, that's why I say about football, how, they, how it's the media control that they have. And they make things bigger than they are, you know, in the newspapers. Uh, like now, I mean, I don't know about you, I even got fed up about Harry Kane coming to Manchester City. Every day, the front page, the back page, always not turn up for training. All, all being big highlights, all the, making a big noise out of it. Now, I was fed up with it, and now that got cleared up when he said, I'm staying at Tottenham. Then what did he do? They moved Ronaldo to Manchester United, and now it's Ronaldo this, Ronaldo that. They've all got something on the front page or back page of the papers, which goes hand in hand with the Premiership. And that's how it all works out. And as you just said, the way they're working it, it, it to me, it's... The transfer thing, that's another one. You know, when people are on about... I never even look at transfers now. If somebody plays for you, you'll see a picture with your sh their shirt on next day, and that's it. You know you've got a player. Other than that, I don't take any notice of anything. Yeah. Because the papers are so full of so trash now. It's terrible. It absolutely is terrible. No, I'm with you, Eric. The pundits, the pundits, the pundits don't help, by the way. Because some of them, I mean, they give the idiot as well. The pundits are... I try not to listen to them, but sometimes you've got to because it might be after the game and you, I might to see what the manager has to say me, not more often than not, because that's a key thing, you know, after the game, if a manager's been beaten, I like to see the way he reacts and what his, what his dilemma is, you know, what he has to say about it, and that's things I do like, but it pundits it. They're just easy, easy money. That's another one. They're not as much as the footballers, but they get easy money. Okay, let's. Which I, we could get paid for it. Yeah, let, let's stay with the pundits for a second because uh, Alan Shearer came up uh, during the the um, Premier League film and. Uh, you know, it's easy to forget. When you look at him now, obviously uh, not a full head of hair, obviously not youthful. Um, it, it, it's obviously quite easy to forget just how exciting Alan Shearer was when, um, you know, when he came on the scene. Well, great centre forward, wasn't he? Really with Alan Shearer with his little trademark when he just put his hand up in the air and ran away. You know, no, he's a... Uh, don't forget... He, he was at Blackburn, he was at uh, Newcastle, which yeah. is his own, well, his club, and he was at Southampton, so yeah. he's done a bit of the rounds, and uh, originally he was going to Manchester United, was trying to get him Fergie, and he turned Fergie down to go to his own hometown club, Newcastle, and everybody said, oh, he made a big mistake, because he's never, well, he did win the Premier League with Blackburn, but, uh, you know, he, he missed out on a lot of medals, all the United players have got, you know, Fergie had. But yes, 
she, don't forget, Sheer is uh, tied up with BBC anyway. Would it be the BBC documentary? He'd obviously be one of the ones he'd have on to yeah. talk to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, look, uh, we'll come back if we have a bit of time at the end. We'll look quickly at the fixtures ahead. Um, England, Poland, obviously, uh, uh, that will be more of a test, I think. Uh, but with England having beaten Hungary, I think I would expect them to beat uh, Poland. Well, I, I'm pretty sure they'll pick the same team when we play Poland, which played against Hungary. And uh, I think that uh, we'll win maybe 2 0. I should say 2 1, really, because they got Lewandowski, the centre forward, who's probably the highest scorer in the in the Europe uh, Lewandowski over the years yeah fantastic player but he, he's getting on a bit now as well so I, I, I expect him maybe to snatch a goal one way or the other but having said that that back four for England now looks pretty good to me uh, you know it's uh, Walker Stones Maguire and Shaw which is a combination of Manchester City and Manchester United defenders yeah would you believe yeah okay well look let's look ahead to the Premiership September September the 11th, the Saturday games. So Crystal Palace take on Spurs. How do you see that one going? Well, I, I've not really read what's happening to these lads who brought the, you know, the quarantine and uh, whether they'll be available for Spurs. Uh, I've just got a feeling. I don't know. Just at the back of my mind, I think Crystal Palace is going to win this game one 0 Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going for three-one to Spurs. Okay. Yeah, I think most people will be, but I've just got a sneaky feeling. Palace played well recently at West Ham when he drew two all. He's had a nil-nil game at home beforehand, and slowly but surely, he seems to be getting it right now. Uh, Patrick Vieira, and obviously I'm a big fan of his, because he played for City, I know he's a big Arsenal hero more than Man City, but I like Patrick Vieira. Yeah, yeah, so do I, uh, especially when I saw him in the documentary with uh, Roy Keane. I thought both of them came over very well. OK, we'll go to Brentford playing Brighton. Now, this will be an interesting game. Brentford, obviously, are still relatively uh, the newcomers, uh, but Brighton seem to dip a little bit and they'll want to come back. So I I can see this one being a draw, something like 2-2. Two -two. Well, I'm going along with you saying it'll be a draw, but I think it'll be nil-nil. But, uh, yeah, I think we both agree it's going to be a draw. OK, and uh, another of the newcomer teams, although it's a returning newcomer, Watford will play Wolves. So, uh, what do you think on this one? Well, this is a funny game, isn't it? I mean, Wolves are, are struggling to score four goals at the moment. Although they did get, get a few against Lux Forest in the uh, Carabao Cup. Uh, I've got to go for a draw, a one-all draw. OK, well now, I see Wolves uh, a bit differently. Um, Traore was quite a handful when he came on for Spain against Sweden. I mean, really, he threatens to do so well. It just misses on the last sort of gasp. But I still think um, this could be a Watford 1, uh, Wolves 3. Let's go to Arsenal. They mm. entertain Norwich. Well, this is a game where Arsenal have got a win. The bottom of the league, he's not scored a goal, not got a point. God damn it, if he can't beat Norwich, uh, they are in trouble. So I've got to go for a 3 0 Arsenal win. Okay, well, it's funny, I see um, a three goal margin, but I've put down 4 1. 
Um, Norwich didn't look bad actually, although uh, ob obviously the defending has got to change. Um, they still always look quite a good team, and I still think that um, you know it's early days. They're going to learn. Arsenal. Well, Arteta obviously has had uh, people like uh, Sol Campbell saying that uh, he'd like to take the team over. Um, uh, Arsene Wenger's talking about coming back. <laughs> I don't know whether or not there's any mileage in either of those two. I wouldn't have thought so. But um, wh what do you think about that? Is there anything that could... could well, they're talking about people circling other people's jobs. Uh, that's what's happening there, isn't it? They're all trying to get in on the, uh, Arteta while he's under pressure. I, and I hope, because he's another like, lad I like because of the fact he was involved in City and he had a lot to do with making Sterling the player he is today, believe it or not. Uh, and Guardiola will tell you that if you ask him about it. And uh, he is a bloke, but maybe managing might be just a bit too much for him. I'm not quite sure. Coaching and managing are two different things, as we've often discussed in the past. Yeah. But I hope, and that's why I, I think it's a bad time to go to Arsenal. They are desperate to get a result. They'll have 60,000 people cheering them on. And I, I just, that's the reason I fancy Arsenal to win 3 now. Okay. I do like Norwich. They play good football. I like the manager. He's very honest. And he, you know, he, he, he tries to play football. He's not one of them teams that's going around parking buses. You know what I mean? And that's why I like him. Okay. Um, Manchester United at home to Newcastle United. That's going to be. Um, Ah, 3-1 to Man United for me. <laughs> well, this is a tough one, isn't it, really? Poor Newcastle have to go there with the... That's to talk about 60,000 people. There will be 70,000 people there all waiting for Ronaldo to score a goal. And uh, I think it won't be long before he gets that first goal. So I've got to go with United to win about 4-0. OK. Um, right, now tricky one coming up next is Southampton are playing West Ham um, on on form you would expect West Ham to win this one um, or just about shade it because Southampton started playing some good football 2-3 for me yeah I think it'll be West Ham are, are really playing well and they scored, they scored 10 goals Emma Man City have got the most goals so far this year and uh, they seem to, with Antonio playing now, the way he is, up front, I can't see them not winning uh, West Ham. I fancy to win 2-0. OK. Um, that Antonio, I think, is a revelation. I mean, he's just great to watch. Um, we go next to Leicester Man City. Now, difficult game for you, Eric. I can see this one being a draw, 2-2. Oh, Desmond, oh, well, I can't see I I think City will win this game because uh, hopefully, and I could be wrong, that De Bruyne should be back on Saturday because they've had two weeks rest now. Him unfolding, I should be certainly in the lineup or maybe on the bench. I'm not sure, and I think that'll make a big difference. The lads have already got plenty of confidence after them two five-nil winnings. So Leicester have been a bit hit and miss so far this year, even though they did beat in the Community Shield, but. We had quite a few youngers on and they picked their strongest team. So I'm not going to take any notice of that result. But I think we'll beat them about 2 now. OK. Um, Chelsea take on Aston Villa. The way Chelsea are playing, I really can't see Aston Villa doing much against them. Uh, but it could be um, a high score, actually. Something like 4-2. I'll go for 4-2. 
Yeah, we've got a slight problem here because uh, Aston Villa's goalkeeper Martinez is one of them four players who is in Argentina's eleven, and I don't know whether he'll have to come back and isolate. I've not read anything of him going to uh, Croatia like the other two Tottenham players have done. Maybe he has. I'm not quite sure. But if he's not playing and um, Buen Diaz is not playing, I think that's a big chunk out of their team, and uh, especially with it being a goalkeeper. But anyway, I'm going to go for Chelsea to win. Well, I think it'll be 2-0. Okay. Now, big game for Liverpool away at Leeds. Leeds is always going to be a tough game for anybody. Um, if Liverpool don't win these games, then obviously, uh, you know, all talk of championships and things like this. 2-3 um, for me. Liverpool just about shading it. Yeah, actually, it was a one-all draw, if I remember correctly. And... Uh, I think there's, there's nothing in it, but at the time, you've got to remember the Liverpool won't like they are now. They've got more to full strength now, Liverpool. Um, I tell you what, it's going to be a good game to watch. I'm going to look forward to watching that. Uh, I'm going to go for a two-all draw. OK. Um, I was tempted to put a two-all draw, but then, you know, they, they've got to win these games because um, you, you've already dropped two points against... Uh, Chelsea. So anyway, um, Everton at home to Burnley. Um, I think Benitez has got them playing well. It looks like um, Burnley are playing reasonably well, but I think on balance I'll go for Everton to win this one 2-1. Yeah, well, funny enough, last year Burnley won at Everton 2-0, uh, if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to be as weak now at the back because I think... Uh, Benitez has got a, a lot more organised at the back now, a bit more solid, and Lewin at the moment, I, I'm not sure whether he's fit enough because he drops out the England squad, Lewin, the centre forward, yeah. and they're going to need him, but would it be in the Monday night game, he's got every chance that he might be fit by then, so I am going to go for an Everton win, but I think it'll only be one now. OK. All right, well, we get um, we're just up near the hour now, and uh, basically, the... Um the whole picture gets very very confused doesn't it because you've got uh, all people coming and going and isolating i mean it's been an absolutely uh jumbled start to the season they come back we i think we get the ch the champions league starts in about a week or something like that so we've got more complications uh, it's just yeah. it really is too much isn't it well uh, apparently i think it was yesterday i heard that they're allowing their supporters to travel now to the away games in the European matches. So that's interesting, isn't it? All of a sudden, that people can go there, you can go there, and everybody don't seem to be bothered. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. And now, all of a sudden, everything's open the floodgates, and uh, it doesn't matter, people can go to games now. Uh, and it's always interesting to see what happens. I mean, I, there's never been any figures given, has he? You know, with regards to the football being allowed supporters in, no. how many people at the fo that football match have gone down with the uh, COVID? You know, yeah. things like that, which would be interesting to know, wouldn't it? Well, really seems to let us know that. They just give us bigger figures all over the country. I think I've probably mentioned this in the past, but um, they've said in many places uh, COVID stands for Certificate of Vaccination ID. Um, you know, it, it does have a little ring of this sort of st stuff, the control and everything. 
All right, Eric. Well, look, that takes us up to um, the hour, and obviously, it's always nice and pleasant having a chat about the the football. So, um, all it remains is for me to say thanks for joining me and stay safe, and obviously, look forward to chatting this time next week. Okay, James. Thank you, mate. Look after yourself. Thanks, Eric. Bye bye.